Hey everyone, welcome to episode 23 of Sugidama podcast, the podcast about Japanese sake, the drink which could be as luxury as you can imagine, and the code word for that is Ginjo. But before we talk about it, let me tell you about our sponsor, London Sake, who have one of the widest selections of premium and craft sake available online today. You can choose from over 100 sake from 25 breweries, and they will deliver across the UK and many European markets. And if you don't know what sake to choose, you can use simple online tasting notes together with very sensible and affordable food pairings to help you decide. What's more, you can get a 10% discount by just using the code SUGIDAMA, all caps, during checkout. London Sake, making sake simple. My name is Alex, and I live in London. I am a certified sake specialist, sake judge, sake educator, and sake advocate. Besides this podcast, I have SUGIDAMA blog, where I write about all things sake, publish tasting notes, overviews, and information about sake events happening in London. And recently, I have published a post about 5 sake to drink this summer, including a lot of very good sake you either can enjoy in hot weather or with summer seasonal food, or both. I did a similar review a couple of years ago, and most of the recommendations from that post still stand, so you can read both and decide what you would like to drink in summer 2021, probably watching the Olympics. Also, I have an exciting announcement. Next episode is the last in the season, and it will be released during the Tokyo Olympics. So I wanted to make it special and invited the sponsor of Sugidama podcast, the owner of London Sake, Andy Travis, to talk about his sake story, various sake, and the Olympics. We plan to record the episode on the day the Olympics opens and release it on the 5th of August. Or probably I will move it one week back if I manage to edit it early. So today I would like to talk about Ginja style of sake. There are a lot of misconceptions about it. Quite often people look at it as just premium sake with a high polishing ratio. But it's much more in it. Yes, Ginja style requires the polishing ratio of at least 60% in Ginjo and 50% in Daiginjo. But the polishing ratio is only one thing of many that defines the Ginjo sake style. First of all, let's look at the name and history of Ginjo. The name comes from two Chinese characters and could be translated as crafted or carefully brewing. The name appeared in the 1930s, referring to fruity aroma of sake made of highly polished rice. You might remember from previous episodes that vertical sake polishing machines just emerged around that time, allowing to increase the polishing ratio from usual 80-90% when only 10-20% of a rice grain were polished off to 60-70% and beyond. So the aroma was called Ginjoka, where Ka stands for aroma or fragrance. 
It's usually quite fruity, with notes of melon, banana, apple, strawberry and other fruits and berries. Quite often people refer to some ginger sake as fruit bombs, because you can smell the beautiful aroma as soon as someone opens a bottle across the table. However, aroma is not the only attribute of ginger shu. Shu is a different reading of the character for sake, you remember, right? Ginger style means that the sake is luxury and smooth, complex and light, and easy to drink. Again, as with everything in sake, it might vary. Some ginger are less complex or a bit heavier, but in general, those attributes stand. For many years, after the emergence of vertical polishing machines, your typical milling ratio remained around 70% for premium sake and below for ungraded. Anything beyond 70% was more like competition sake made for various competitions to show the brewer's and torches skill and capabilities. However, gradually, this competition sake made its way to consumers. One of the first commercially available ginger-style sake was Devasakura Oka in 1980, if I'm not mistaken. It was affordable premium sake with a milling ratio of 60% and it introduced the term ginger to consumers, as it used to be a technical term used by sake professionals in the industry. Devazakara Oka Ginger became an instant hit with sake drinkers, which encouraged other breweries to release their competition sake to the masses. At the end of the 1980s, the new sake classification system came into existence, which defined the names and milling ratios for Tokutei Meishushu, special designation sake, as it was named. Many people, myself included, started their sake journey after trying a ginger-style sake, which became an aha moment for them. So what makes ginger sake so nice and refined? The milling ratio is, of course, a very important factor. If you look at a sake rice grain, it has a large white core surrounded by semi-transparent outlayer and I'm talking about the rice where the brown shell called bran has been removed already. So the white core, called in Japanese shinpaku, which is just a direct translation, consists mainly of starch which we need for making alcohol. The semi-transparent bit includes proteins, fats, amino acids and minerals, which give sake its character, but also roughness and a lot of unwanted aromas and flavors. So when the rice is polished, we get rid of most of them, leaving the starch part mostly intact. The purer the starch part, the more refined the resulting sake will be. But of course, it will lose some of its character. However, as I said, ginger style is defined not only by milling ratio. There are three big groups of factors which make the prized ginger sake we enjoy. The first group is brewer's skills. The second is the technique, and the third one is ingredients. And the order doesn't reflect the importance of each group, they are equally important. Uh, let's look at the brewer's skills and the brewing process itself. Think about the brewing process. After the sake rice is polished and cooled down, it's soaked and steamed. If you make sake from not very highly polished rice, you can soak it for, for a few hours or even overnight, and it will be fine. The protein fats layer 
will protect the shinpaku from water and will slow down the soaking process. However, if you use highly polished rice, the soaking happens much, much faster. Sometimes it might take only 20-40 seconds. And you don't want to over-soak the rice, as it will affect how the rice is cooked, koji making and the maromi. So, as a toji, you have to know exactly how long in terms of seconds you need to soak the rice. So you use stopwatch. And think about a medium-sized brewery. You have to achieve the consistency across all your batches of sake. And we are talking about tons of rice during the brewing season. Same with shubo or sake starter, which is also called moto. The polished rice is much more delicate and also more desirable for any unwanted bacteria which live in the air. So you need to be especially careful and develop the starter at a lower temperature, which makes the process longer. Similar to the starter, the actual brewing also happens at a lower temperature. You have to check your maromi constantly to make sure it is fermenting in the right way. Again, due to the highly polished rice, it's more susceptible to the invasion of unfriendly microorganisms. When the sake is ready to be pressed, it also has to be done much more carefully compared to less polished brew. Ginjo sake is delicate and you don't want to spoil it with exposing it to too much oxygen, bacteria, light, and so on. So quite often ginjo sake is pressed in a cold environment using more delicate techniques like a traditional fune machines or fukurotsuri when the bags with maromi are suspended on the strings and sake drips into a big bottle. Same with other stages of the brewing process like racking, filtering, pasteurization, cold storage. Pasteurization is particularly important as you don't want to damage the delicate aromas and flavors of ginja with too much heat. So all stages have to be done much more carefully and often take longer time. I have to note that these techniques and methods now are used in normal Junmai Sake, slow cold fermentation, delicate pressing and so on, which shifted Junmai Sake closer to Ginja in terms of refinement. Ginja Sake is normally brewed using a high-grade Sake rice. You need a higher proportion of starch in your polished rice, so it's important to have a bigger shinpaku, the starch core. The rice also should be without cracks and not chipped. It all affects the texture, the aroma and the flavor of ginjo sake. You need a special yeast which actually produces these fruity or flowery aromas, as most of the aroma comes from yeast, not rice. The water is very important in sake brewing, but especially in ginger. So yes, when the brewery is making ginger, they need to choose the ingredients very carefully and know how to deal with them to achieve the level of ginger style. Okay, before we talk about types of ginjo sake, how taste should be stored and paired with food, let me remind you about London Sake, our sponsor, and their huge selection of curated sake sets, which provide a great opportunity to explore various styles and types of sake. Have a look 
But don't forget about the magic word SUGIDAMA, all caps, to get your 10% discount. Let's now talk about grades and types of Ginjosakia. Under the current classification system, there are four grades or styles of Ginja. Two with added alcohol and two without. Until now in this episode, I used the word Ginja as a style of Sakia. Now I'm going to use it in the reference to the classification system. So Ginja Sakia under that system is defined as Sakia made from the rice polished to at least 60%, 40% off and with a bit of alcohol added at the end of fermentation process before pressing. Daiginju is made from the rice polished to at least 50% with the addition of alcohol as well. On the other side, we have Junmai Ginju and Junmai Daiginju. The polishing ratios are the same as in Ginju and Daiginju respectively, 60% and 50%, but no alcohol is added at any point. So with Ginjo, Junmai Ginjo, it's simple. The milling ratio could be between 60% and 50. Uh, it's more interesting with Dai Ginjo, Junmai Dai Ginjo. For many years, breweries were in the game to overdo each other in terms of polishing ratio. So it was going low and lower, 50%, 45%, 40%, 35%. Here most of the breweries stopped. However, some ventured even further. I told you a story about Dasai 23, the Junmai Daiginjo Sake, made from rice polished to 23%. The president of the brewery wanted 25%, the lowest ratio at that time, but another brewery did 24, so he went to 23. Tatenakawa 8 is made from rice polished to 8%, with 92% of the grain polished off. Then we have even more extreme ratios, 1% and finally 0%. Well, as I understand, it's to do with rounding. So if you have polishing ratio of, let's say, 0.4%, you can round it down to 0. Another interesting thing is a polishing technique. A Daishichi brewery, for example, uses so-called a super flat rice polishing method. When you polish the sides of a rice grain, until you reach Shinpaku, leaving the grain flat. As the milling ratio is calculated on the weight basis, not the volume, with this super flat method you can achieve the same result as normal method but with a higher ratio. So if you want to match a traditional method polishing ratio of like, let's say 51%, you only have to polish the grain to 70% using the super flat polishing technique. I will put a link in the show notes to the brewery's website where this technique is explained in details. In terms of type of sake, any type can be ginjo style. So you can have Namazaki, Junmai Daiginjo, Nigori Ginjo, Daiginjo Genshu, Ginjo Koshu, anything. Another interesting point is when ginjo is not called ginjo. For example, take a very popular Nanbu Bijin Tokubetsu Junmai Sake. The rice used to make it is polished to 55%, so it technically should be called Ginja. However, the brewery decided to call it Tokubetsu Junmai, special Junmai. There are a number of reasons breweries do it. One reason is a general style of Sake. 
If it's not fruity, the brewery might want to avoid confusion and call it Tokubetsu Junmai or Tokubetsu Honjose, depending on whether alcohol has been added. Or, for example, the brewery makes too many different ginjo sake, but would like to differentiate them. So one of ginjo might be called Tokubetsu Junmai to avoid sales cannibalization. So are there any rules how to drink ginjo-style sake? Honestly, none. Though there are some conventions which are actually going away. One great thing about ginjo is it's easier to drink on its own. Sake is generally drunk with food, and Japanese people always eat when they drink. But as ginjo sake is fruity and light, it's okay to have without any food, or with just some nibbles, and it's very enjoyable. In terms of food, given the delicate nature of ginjo sake, you might prefer to drink it with light food. Seafood is great. Either sashimi or lightly grilled or steamed prawns or fish, it's great. Veggies and salads are another very good pairing for ginjo sake. Interestingly, tempura is a very good pairing, especially with dry style ginjo sake, as it removes the oiliness of deep-fried vegetables and seafood. Cheese is amazing with any sake, but especially with ginjo as a nibble. Light meats and chicken are also pretty good. But again, it all depends on a particular sake. Some daiginjo sake are great with steak. In terms of temperature, the general advice is to have ginjo sake, especially daiginjo and junmai daiginjo, chilled. However, there are more and more evidence that ginjo sake is great warmed up. I was listening to Sake on Air episode on warm sake, and one of the sake educators mentioned that before, when they were talking about how to drink ginjo, they offered the students chilled and warmed up ginjo, and it was clear that chilled is better. But now, very often, the students say, hey, the warm ginjo is different from chilled, but not necessarily in a bad way. Kokuryu Brewery, for example, made ginjo sake especially for drinking warm. But again, if you have ginjo-style sake, try it chilled first, and then you can experiment with it. Okay, today I would like to feature Kanpai London Kaze Junmai Ginjo as sake of episode. It's a special edition sake made here in London by Kanpai London Brewery. I have already featured the beautiful taro sake, koshu. This time a bit of luxury, junmai ginjo. Kaze means wind in Japanese and gosh, this sake is so light. Made from Yamada Nishiki rice, polished to 60%, it has SMV sake meter value of minus one, indicating medium dryness. There's no acidity number, but my guess it might be higher than 1.5. So, Kanpai Kaze is a perfect summer sake. It's light, alcohol content is not too high, 15%. It has a very fresh and bright fruity aroma with prominent cantaloupe notes. It's medium dry with high acidity compared to sake imported from Japan. In a way, it's quite close to white wine, which probably appealed to Western drinkers who are used to wine. But Kaze has its own unique character. The sake is very versatile. I had it with fish and duck, and in both cases it was superb. 
but it's very enjoyable to sip on its own. It's terrific chilled, but if you try it warmer, just slightly below room temperature, it becomes more mellow and less acidic and opens up a bit. That's it for today. I'll be back with more episodes. In the meantime, buy a bottle of Ginjo Sake and try it. There are plenty of Ginjo, Junmai Ginjo, Dai Ginjo and Junmai Dai Ginjo Sake available everywhere, including London Sake website, where you can get a 10% discount by entering SUGIDAMA, all caps, at the checkout. And you can buy Kanpai Kaze Junmai Ginjo directly from the brewery's website. I will put the link in the show notes. If you have any questions or suggestions about any sake topic, just drop me a line. As I have already mentioned, I started thinking about season 3 already, and any feedback would be great. My email address is alex at sugidama.co.uk, or you can tag me on Instagram or Twitter at sugidamablog in one word. Again, if you liked the episode and want more, hit the subscribe button and you will get every new episode downloaded in your player as soon as it's out. If you would like to give me a bit of support, please leave a review. There are two places you can easily do it. One on Apple Podcasts, if you use iPhone, iPad or Mac, go to the Sugidama podcast page there, scroll down to the bottom uh, where you can see reviews, there will be a link to add your own review. Another option is Podchaser website, where you can leave a review to any podcast, regardless what platform you use to listen to it. I've got a link to my page there in the show notes. You need to register at Podchaser, but it's easy, because you can use your Twitter or Facebook credentials and leave a review. Of course, you can share this podcast with your friends, on your social media, chat up, anywhere. A lot of people mention a friend's recommendation as a reason for listening a particular podcast, so it's a great way to support Sugidama podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Kampai!